0: to the Blue Roads Changemaker Podcast. I'm Patty Talbot, CEO and co-founder of Blue Roads Education Group. In this series, you'll hear reflections about what it means to be a homegrown changemaker. We focus interviews around the Blue Roads mantra, Homegrown Solutions for a Patchwork World. Our guests are amazing change makers, solutionaries and social innovators who've taken the path from local citizen to global change maker and or from global citizen to local change maker by working to change the system that creates the world's most challenging issues close to home and around the globe. I asked participants to tell us about their origins, how they've engaged with others different from themselves, how they work to create solutions, and how they've used these experiences to make the leap to change makers addressing the UN Sustainable Development Goals. As their host, I try hard to take myself out of the conversation as much as possible, so you won't notice the typical back and forth of the interview process. I hope this will help you to hear their stories as a complete narrative that addresses all four quadrants of the Blue Roads changemaker journey, homegrown solutions for a patchwork world. Today, we welcome my friend, filmmaker and educator, Elizabeth Hummer. I had the great good fortune of rooming with Elizabeth during a study trip to Ecuador in 2015 as part of a field experience through World Savvy's Global Competence Certificate Program. Not only did she help me get by because of the Spanish language I did not possess, but throughout the trip, I was fascinated by her ability to connect with everyone we encountered. Everywhere we went, people were drawn to her vibrant personality and her genuine curiosity conveyed through her thoughtful and earnest questions that engaged them quickly in sharing their stories. In the years since, I've come to know that Elizabeth's ability to connect is at the very core of both her identity and her value system. Listen to Elizabeth's homegrown solutions for a patchwork world. everyone. I'm so excited today to have my good friend, Elizabeth Hummer, with me. Say hello, Elizabeth. Hi. There she is. (laughs) And Elizabeth has agreed to be a part of one of my Changemaker interviews. And I want you to know about Elizabeth that I first met her in an environment very much like this online because we were classmates in World Savvy's Global Competence Certificate Program. And so I met her online long before I got the privilege of actually meeting her and being her roommate in person while we were in Ecuador. That was part of that, that program as well. So, Elizabeth, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. I have a sort of
1: two-pronged career. I have been on a journey of becoming a teacher for the past few years after having a career in children's television and covering fashion for about 25 years. I'm a, I've am a been a producer and filmmaker since... The early 90s, and I've loved making TV shows and films by, with, and about, and for kids and young people and teenagers and small children. And then I also covered fashion for 10 years, working on the runways, making video daily videos about the fashion shows that were happening. And I traveled all over the world to New York, Milan, and Paris twice a year to do it. And it was pretty fantastic. Now I'm back sort of anchored in my mission to focus on children in the classroom. You may or may not know watching this, we're in the middle of the COVID crisis. We're in the middle of um, being in quarantine. My life changed abruptly on March 12th when it was a Thursday. And at lunchtime, I was on a long-term subbing position with kindergartners, teaching them writing, which was the hugest privilege to work with kindergartners and have, have be one of their first experiences of identifying what's going on in their head with what they're putting on the paper and having other people understand it. It's a huge privilege. But so during lunch, we all kind of discovered that this thing was going on and that actually probably things were going to be closed down. And then our governor of New York was really not wanting to shut the schools. And all of a sudden after lunch, we, all the kids, we were having them washing their hands like every second. And then the next day we came back to school and it was like the hand washing and the chaos and we should close schools. And oh my God, this, this crisis, we're going to, everybody's going to get this disease just by being around each other. So I went from having like a 12 hour day, getting work done on the subway, going to work, taking a graduate class at Bank street and like doing that and carrying around my computer and everything to just all of a sudden everything stopped. It was just the most insane thing. I'm kind of like in a reevaluation because I don't have the contact with kids anymore. I miss them. I'm getting involved in film in a way that I hadn't been before doing kind of a remote documentary. I'm just really lucky to be here and safe. And I still am very committed to children. So one of the many reasons I love Patty (laughs) because of the way she connects with children and gives them tools. Um, I grew up in Chicago in a really privileged environment. I, I went to private schools. I had a great education, which I think is one of the reasons why I'm also interested in teaching kids because I know how important that is when you're little, to, to be in an environment where you're inspired to learn by what you're interested in. So I have two sisters and I have my parents. And and then when I moved off into the world, I've kind of been independent for all this time as an adult. And I've been really focused on my career and my you know all the stuff I do with kids. I'm, I've been very, very focused on what I want to do and how I want to it sounds so cheesy, but like make a difference in people's lives. Just be a better force for something better that's going on in the world rather than some of the stuff that's not so good going on in the world. As long as I've ended my day knowing that I've moved towards something that enhances the life of the people around me, especially children, then I am kind of feel like I've had a pretty good day. My people, it's your family and then it's the family that you invite into your world. And I feel like those are the really... I have an incredible family. I have loving, smart, amazing parents and siblings. And I kind of joke that I'm such a white girl that I don't really have like culture. I just kind of grew up and like, you know, had sort of a a nice life. But when I'm, especially in the the classroom and I'm trying to have kids connect to what, where they're from and everything, I'm always looking for the richness in their lives. And I know my life has been rich, but I don't have like a European thing or, you know, another country or something like that. I'm always kind of looking for, but I think because I came from this really supportive Greek family, it also got me curiosity about the world. And so I've invited all these people into my life across the years from all different countries and all different places and all different kinds of backgrounds. I learned so much from the people that I meet and befriend. And then that goes into the classroom too, because it's helping the children access what that is in themselves that makes them feel very much themselves and connected to their environments and and their culture. I feel like it's a little oxymoron cuz I said I don't really have a lot of culture in my background. And I'm actually working on that in my in my graduate class to like discover what that is, but I just feel like I have my immediate family which is great. And then I had these other people and these experiences, and I've been so lucky to have such rich experiences in my life, exploring the world and exploring ideas in my head and sharing those ideas with other people. The primary issue that I've really focused on in my whole adult life is reaching children in a way that is meaningful to them and enhances their lives. So my original way that I chose to do that was television. I thought if I can empower children to take over a medium that I felt was taking them over by giving them cameras, by having them be a part of the production process, they would feel more empowered to take control of their lives. That may sound kind of abstract, but at the time that I started, it was a 10 channel universe. So it was three network channels and then a variety of cable channels. And it was really just TV. It was not internet. It was just, you watch TV and you get fed all this information and there wasn't a lot of room for feedback there. So the first thing I did, I started giving kids cameras. So even on the first TV show I ever worked on footage was used for the credits that I, I, I borrowed a video camera from a friend of mine. It was like, so we were still shooting VHS. And my friend actually had a high eight camera, which was like really new then. So it was a little bit smaller, but there were still pretty big cameras. And I remember giving it to one of the, to a couple of the kids in the cast and they were just shooting this stuff. It was like, and the way that the people were talking to them with them being behind the camera, it was just this incredibly different dynamic. That like, I could never have gotten the footage that they were shooting because nobody would have talked to me the way this little guy does. There was a little kid named Shimezo, He was in this little family. They all had these amazing names. I, I think they were all from someplace, originally from Africa, but they were very American and like, not like just from Africa. They'd been around for a while, but Shimezo Tamatanafer, and a tingwe were the three siblings, and when they got the camera, they would just have these amazing conversations with their other classmates, with their other castmates, and um, and it just enforced my belief that this was a valuable thing for them to do. So I kept doing that, and then I just I'd always just choose a job in television that gave me as much of an opportunity to exercise that belief as possible. So every show I'd go on, I'd, I'd bring in that sort of theory as much as possible, whether it be booking the person or getting, you know, getting the real kids on TV. I worked on a show on court TV that was supposed to be teen court TV. Actually, probably nobody knows what court TV is anymore, but it was a really kind of, it was like the OJ Simpson trial, which actually maybe the people that are watching this don't even remember. that. And it was like the back-to-back showing, um, like legal proceedings for everything it was just it was like a it was like CNN except for the law. So we had this teen show and I remember when I started working on it they were having all the, everything that they had on was like old like you know professional lawyers and stuff which is fine but I was like where are the teenagers and everything should be from the teen perspective and I created a whole show about juveniles in prison and it was all kid it was all teenagers except for the couple of professional, like legal people that needed to be in it. But it was like, if if we're going to make this show, like y- you can't just talk at people you have to have. The teaching thing is just because I kind of, I don't know. I feel like I still was so stepped away from the kids that being really with them. I feel like it's maybe a fewer kids. I thought with TV, I would get lots of kids, but then I don't know if I did. I was always making a TV show for the one person who was going to watch it. I don't know if just one person watched it and one person made it, then at least we had two people. But when the classroom, you get like this longer relationship with the student and you can hopefully watch, you know, be privileged to watch them grow and help support them to grow in a way that, you know, makes them a, more the person that they want to be and more the person that's going to be able to thrive in the world that they have been born into. The course that I'm taking right now at Bank Street is on language acquisition. And it's about how we acquire language and learn how to speak it. And then really what that means in terms of our identity and our identity in relation to other people. And it's been this incredible journey to, first, I was like, well, I, grew, You know, I grew, at the dinner table, my mother wanted me to speak standard English because she wanted me to speak the language that is sort of categorically the language of all people. And so I thought that's what you're supposed to do is standard English. And then you're sitting at the table then with power. I don't think I was thinking powerful people, but it's like educated or I don't even, I don't even know what kind of adjectives I want to add to it, but What I've learned subsequently really is that standard English is really, it's, it's really the language of the patriarchy. And sorry, I don't want to go off on a total tangent here, but it's like, it's so learning how to like speak this language that is the language that everybody speaks. And then as a teacher, if you're working with kids who come from different countries, you come or, or who speak different dialects of English, where do they feel that they fit into the world? And, and is standard English what you're teaching them? And if you do, then how do you make it so that nothing's better than the other the other thing? I think that that's kind of the key to the different cultures that we're all in. Like, none of us as human beings are better than any other person. We all have different um, benefits or, or 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 possibilities. We we all have different privileges that we that we have or or lack of privilege. I think my interest in all different cultures has been has been really about that, like where do I come from and how does it fit in with other people? And then where do other people come from and where does it fit in? And how can I create a conversation among very different people where everyone is equal and sharing information and dreams and going towards something that all is the same thing. And I found that it's an incredibly, really challenging, very hard thing to do because we all do have different opportunities. And so I made a film in in Senegal a few years ago. So I go to Senegal and I'm, and it's a film about a village that no longer practices child marriage or FGC, female genital cutting. So it's this huge transformation. So we come in, I'm American, privileged, and many people from my education or whatever will look at them and be like, how could anybody do that? That's like the most horrible thing. And then you look at them like, those are horrible people. How could they do that? And it's a human rights issue. It's a very, it's horrible to to hurt somebody's body, but it's also, there was a reason and a like, that didn't just come from nowhere. Those people believed that they were serving their daughters by marrying them off as children and doing FGC because FGC made them pure for the husband. And then it was all part of a, of a thinking system and a cultural system. How do we then all communicate with each other so that, I can help them if this journey is that they don't want to be doing this anymore, but without forcing my view and giving them a voice so that other people can understand what their perspective is and why this actually existed before and and now why they've come to, to make a change to it. The biggest cultural thing that I'm really have always been drawn to, and I have no idea how to tackle it, but I've always been drawn to working with the african-american community in in my country and i've put myself into situations where i'm just in a place where i just can learn because even teaching teaching sometimes i've just put myself into a situation where i'm such a fish out of water that i just basically have to navigate what's the benefit i'm learning so much from them and i and 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 what what do they need to know from me what can i teach them if it's the standard English thing, which I used to think was something that I had to offer them, it's actually better for me to teach them how to own their dialect better than go and learn some standard English. Like Standard English exists, but really, how do you honor your own dialect and not feel to be made less than because of that dialect? I, I think it's one of the main reasons I'm really in teaching because it's how to get everyone on a level playing field. And how to do it as myself, who is a 54-year-old white woman from Chicago. like. And it's why I respect Patty and people like you so much that you've been teaching for so long. Because I still find myself just trying to figure out how to make sure that every child feels honored. And, and also take them in through a, t- a teaching cycle that actually gives them something that they can really use at the end of it. I try to keep it really simple. I said before that when I've made television I'm making it for the one person who's going to see it and is going to get the message and I'm making it for maybe the one person that I'm making it with so that it's ideally it's very immediate. It's I'm working with somebody in a special way to create a story that's meaningful that then gets shared with other people that can receive it in a special way that's also meaningful. And I think that goes in teaching too because you're working with students in a special way, in a way that's meaningful to them to get to something that they need to learn, like writing, that's very special too. And it needs to be, you know, that they need to be symbiotic. For me, it just, it's all really, really simple. It's about every relationship every day. It's about communicating and being with whoever it is who's right in front of me in a way that makes it possible for them to, keep being in the world in a, in a meaningful, positive way, which which sounds so sort of trite in a way, but when I'm in a classroom, like I have no idea if somebody's going to get the message of the, of whatever the lesson is, that they're going to learn how to do a how-to book, you know, by the end of it. I mean, yeah, we're going to spend time going through that. And if you're a good teacher, they're going to get something about the how-to book, and then they're going to take that to second grade and they're going to do better how-to books. But equally important is, is the experience of going through that exercise, not just that they get what how to is, but that they actually have an experience. It's valuable. And then I think that even with the kids that I work with, I have lots of personal relationships with students that I've worked with in the past that I've made films with, or that I've taught them film or, or the Senegal. Like, I don't know, when I was in Senegal, I hoped that we were having a meaningful experience and they, they do have the film now. I think they're all really happy with it. And they, feel appreciated and honored that they're in it. And that it's a representation of what their story is. And I also WhatsApp with the 13 year old that I made the film with and her aunt. And, and, and in some ways I feel like that's just as important as the film because it's carrying on a relationship with somebody that you know, it's not just about this one thing that we did or this transactional thing. So I still have relationships with kids that I made films with a million years ago. There's a, I went to the baby shower of a girl who was my teen mom in a show I made in like in like 2000. She was 14 when she had the baby. Now she is, I think she's 30 something. She just got married for the first time. And her 18 year old son was at the baby shower and she just gave birth to a baby and I was at the baby shower and I was like there she is you know Andrea so I like to think that that's the stuff that matters really as much as anything else and and the television show has to be excellent <laughs> I mean the television show has to be excellent the thing has to be excellent I do believe that, that excellence needs to happen but I'm always balancing that with the human part of it, and sometimes it can get stressful, <laughs> you know, because you want it to be really good. But yeah, I believe in excellence, and I believe in humans, and how those can meet, and the navigation of how I'm making them meet is is where the really good stuff lies. So, as you just got to start, and you just got to like, you have an idea, and you just have to make the idea, and you just have to do it to the best of your ability, and then see how it emerges and how it keep going and And maybe it's just that one thing and that's okay too. I have a friend um, who's who's also a television producer and filmmaker and she posted on Facebook. She was like, this is insane time. Everybody get your cameras out and everybody has to shoot. And then the next message was, let's all get on a call on Sunday night and we're going to make a a documentary. And we had this call on March 15th and about how are we going to do this documentary? And and we didn't really know that we were going to not that we were going to be fully quarantined at the time. And I remember me saying right at the beginning I was like you guys we can't shoot I actually shoot I was like we can't shoot because that's not responsible we can't go and and be with people and we're going to have to have them do it on their phones which is actually something I've done a lot of I totally believe in the phone as a as a filmmaking powerful filmmaking t- tool. So I said that. And then now we really are doing it. Like I'm working with a few people, talk to them on the phone. They, they send in their videos from their phone and I'm logging them and we're editing them. And we have all of us, it's like 20 female filmmakers and we're all working remotely and the editor and we're all over the country. <laughs> and it's like, the editors working, the editors, the producers are working here. We've got East coast, West coast stories all over the place. And the producers are taking the stories that are closest to them. And And it's a really kind of fascinating project and it's a real honor to be working on it right now too, because it sort of helps keep my sanity because I feel connected. I'm working with a healthcare worker in New York City who came up to New York City from West Virginia because a lot of the healthcare workers are coming from other places to help in the hotspots. And he's having this intense experience and it's such a privilege to be talking with him and having, talking him through the story and having him share. And I think it's really cathartic for him too to be able to share it. And this is what this experience is that I'm going through, you know? I have another woman I'm working with who's got a house in New Jersey that she doesn't live in any longer because she had to move to Pennsylvania for work and she was going to Airbnb it, but then all the Airbnbs fell out. So she's turning into nurse housing. So she's having nurses come and stay there. Th- the same is similar to the guy from West Virginia, but it's a different situation. and. And it's just kind of amazing. Like what she's doing, She's want really wants to make a difference. And this is what she's doing. And everybody wants to make a difference. And this is a really rough time that we're going through. And, you know, how are we all doing the best that we can to make it better for everybody at the end of the day, you know? Anyway, so that's kind of a cool project. And then the other one I'm doing, actually, sorry, my, my hashtag quarantine life is another, a friend of mine in Amsterdam is started this and it was very it mixed with my desire to have kids make videos. So kids are sending in their videos about what they're doing in quarantine. So I'm working with a couple of kids doing that and I want to work with more. So yeah. How are they going to take advantage of this time? You know?
0: Yes. Elizabeth believes in humanity and in excellence and I believe in Elizabeth and her work for the world. Global goal number four, quality education, number five, gender equality, and number 10, reduced inequalities, are certainly easily apparent in Elizabeth's work to create a better world by encouraging children to tell their own stories. Can you see how putting cameras in the hands of individuals to tell their stories can be used as a powerful mechanism for change every one of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals? I sure can. I hope you'll get in touch to let us know what you know about people working toward the global goals in your community. And if you're interested, we'd love for you to take our Changemaker U course and get started on your own Changemaker journey. Get in touch at www.blueroadseducation.org. Thanks for tuning in to the Blue Roads Changemaker Podcast. We hope you'll follow our work and learn more about how you can get involved and start your own changemaker journey at www.blueroadseducation.org. We'd love it if you could subscribe to the Blue Roads Changemaker Podcast and give us a rating on iTunes so that others can find us too. This also helps to elevate the voices of the amazing changemakers you're learning about in our series.